May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. You don't have to spend a whole lot of time in our house or around our boys to know that hockey is one of our favorite sports, especially the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, In fact, last night as I was finishing up some of the details of this sermon, I was watching the Hurricanes beat the Philadelphia Flyers in overtime, which was quite exciting. I would posit that there really is no, uh, no more exciting sporting moment than the last couple minutes of a hockey game that's really close, where either one team is behind by just one goal or it's a tie. Because you really see the players put in an, an extra amount of effort by both sides as the clock is running down. The losing side may even pull their goalie to give them an extra skater to turn up the attack. So there's no, there are no moments wasted at that point in the hockey game. You know, everything, it's all about the business of trying to score a goal. And this is true not only in sports, I think. I think there's a, there's a lesson to be learned here that can be applied to our lives as Christians. Because last week we talked about how the truth is not a series of propositions, but rather the person of Jesus Christ. And how our task as Christians is to conform ourselves to that truth. But what we're reminded of today in our epistle reading is that we have to complete that task in a very short amount of time. So we have to redeem the time, as St. Paul says. And the significance of that fact is compounded by the reality that many of us don't know how much time we actually have, which makes the now more urgent than ever. Because our time is limited, we're called to choose wisdom now. Our lives depend on it. So in the epistle this morning, St. Paul says we must redeem the time. He also says the days are evil. Redeem the time because the days are evil. What does he mean by that? The days are evil. Is time itself evil? I think probably not. God created time and God cannot create evil, nor does time itself possess any sort of moral quality. The days are evil because of how we humans use them to accomplish evil things. When we reject the truth, when we try to create our own truth, and thereby fail to be who it is that we're supposed to be. And I think it's really telling that a lot of people talk about how they spend their time by using the phrase, killing it. They're killing time. What are you doing? I'm just killing time. Well, if there's no God at the beginning or the end, then there's no objective meaning in between. And so you're free to make up whatever meaning you want in, in that time period, you can kill time. As, and so non-Christians, and also Christians who buy into unchristian ways of thinking, kill time by pursuing lesser goods. They pursue things like pleasure, or a job, or power, or wealth, as if they were ultimate goods. And so we should understand that this way of thinking about time, killing time, that when we have that view, the days are evil. The Christian view is not to kill time. The Christian view is that we are stewards of time who should use time wisely. St. Paul says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Stewardship is about the wise use of a thing and requires the virtue of discernment. Discernment, according to one of the earliest Western monastics, John Cassian, is the mother of all virtues. 
If we can't adequately perceive the truth through discernment and its bearing on the choices that we make in our lives, well, then we cannot possibly hope to develop virtue any further. In the context of how we steward time, the very first Christian point of emphasis is that our time is not our own. So St. John Chrysostom, writing in the 6th century, reminded his listeners that in this world, we are migrants and expatriates and strangers and foreigners. So if our time doesn't really belong to us because we don't belong here, then it is imperative that we rightly order what time we have been given. And that should be ordered around the pursuit of serving God and furthering the mission of the church in the world. I think most of us would agree that if you want to know how someone, what someone prioritizes in their life, we should look at how they spend their time. So if you want to change your priorities, well, then you have to change the way that you spend your time. One biblical story that stuck out to me this week as I was preparing this sermon is the story of Mary and Martha found in St. Luke's Gospel, which is a passage that we discussed on Friday in our Bible study. I'm sure we all know the story. You know, Jesus goes to Mary and Martha's house where he starts teaching. The two sisters, Mary, sits at his feet and listens while Martha runs around doing all these hospitality-related activities that she thinks are really urgent. And of course, Martha is kind of annoyed at, what, at Mary's perceived inaction. And so she goes to Jesus and she says, Jesus, can you believe this? Can you believe what Mary's doing? She's just sitting here and I'm doing all the work. To which Jesus says, yes, Martha, you're right. Mary is really bad and she's made the wrong choice. No, he doesn't say that. Quite the opposite. He says, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen the good part. Out of the two of them, Mary had the discernment because she grasped what was really important. And then she actually prioritized her life around that. It's a similar principle that John Chrysostom used to exhort Christians saying, do not seek honors, do not seek glory, do not seek authority, do not seek retribution. Instead, as Christians... We should use time to take every opportunity to turn darkness into light. In order to achieve St. Paul's vision of using time wisely, we do need discernment. That's absolutely key. But we also need self-control. One may know that time could be better used and not make the necessary changes because of a lack of self-control. I mentioned having students who play video games last week all the time, you know. Well, they may cognitively know that's not a good use of their time, but they don't always have the self-control to stop doing that and to orient their lives around something more important. St. Paul uses an example in our reading this morning of, of someone who lacks control, and that is a drunkard, right? Drunkenness, waste time in an attempt to forget pain or cares by launching instead into a pursuit of hedonism. Now, of course, the real result of drunkenness is not actually pleasure. It's rashness, it's stumbling about both morally and physically, and it's anger. Self-control in the Christian can say no to drunkenness, no to the abuse of alcohol, because it can correctly identify where our true joy is found in Jesus Christ himself. 
But really, drunkenness isn't the issue itself. Drunkenness is, is a symptom of a larger problem. There are many other vices St. Paul could have used here, but he, he chooses drunkenness because it's, it's the most obvious. But it's just one symptom of a larger problem. So the point is that when we misuse our time, when we lack discernment, when we lack self-control, we cannot possibly fully attend to wisdom, and that will have a detrimental effect on us. So what then is a wise use of time? According to St. Paul, there are three things. The first is understanding the Lord's will. It's developing the virtue of discernment. The second thing is finding our place in the community of the church. And the final thing is always giving thanks. So by understanding God's will, St. Paul means developing discernment. How do we develop discernment? What, how, do, how does that a virtue that we gain? Well, this is done by becoming a student of the scriptures, reading constantly, studying them constantly. It's done in a life that's centered around reception of the sacraments. It's, it's a life that, that engages in real and earnest prayer with God that actually listens for him to speak to us rather than trying to get him to say what it is that we want to hear. And it's done in a life that heeds the instruction of the church and her traditions that's formed and shaped by the spiritual practices that we've inherited. And of course, so, so as we develop discernment, this isn't something that we do purely on our own. In fact, this is a pursuit that's undertaken within the community of faith that worships together. This is what St. Paul gets at this morning in the reading when he talks about when you're with each other, greet one another with psalms and with spiritual songs and hymns. It's that idea of corporate worship. And each of us has a part to play, both in our liturgical life, all the various people who make the service happen the way that it happens, but also in our common life. God has given you specific gifts, and only you can contribute those particular gifts to this community. And finally, a wise use of our time incorporates the intentional practice of gratitude in the form of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not just an insincere acknowledgement of God that's just done for politeness, like when someone wins an Oscar. It's an expression of our absolute dependence on God, that everything, every single thing that we have that's good, we have as a gift from him. And so if we make these practices, these three habits, a part of who we are, if we discern the will of God in the community of faith, with thanksgiving, well, then our stewardship of time will begin to reflect ordered priorities. Proverbs 2.2 says, Incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding. Time is running out and the days are evil. And this should cause us to take our stewardship of what time we have very seriously. What are our priorities? Do we have the virtues of discernment and self-control? Because right now is the time to attend to wisdom by orienting ourselves around God's will, finding our place in the church, and living lives of constant thanksgiving. Be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.